0: I think still there's an audience in the world that doesn't prioritize backup.
1: sad it isn't so. So the
0: good news is the four of us are here. <laughs> <laughs> the four of us are trying to change that.
1: Hi and welcome to Backup Central's Restored All podcast. I'm your host W. Curtis Preston aka Mr. Backup and with me as always is my garage door consultant Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going Prasanna? I'm good Curtis. I'm glad you
2: finally have your garage door all up and running and working and are you going to park a car in there now?
1: Probably not. It's still, it's still not. it's still just the place in the house where I can make an absolute mess and not have to worry about the way it looks. Right. <laughs> I think that's and how so most people use a garage. There, there's currently I can think of three projects that are currently going on inside the garage door, inside the garage. But at least it is now enclosed by a functional, <laughs> repainted, re uh, what would you and call quiet. that? Re, and quite oh that's right. With the new with the new garage door opener, it's like I, I just literally step. actually what's you know what's right here? I have I have the clicker. <laughs> have the clicker right in front of me. Curtis just keeps
2: it around with them all the time and just opens and closes it from
1: Yeah, because it's so beautiful <laughs> and quiet, it's amazing. People you know, are gonna think of, you're weirder. <laughs> I am weird. Oh you're weirder. Yeah, yeah. They I mean I'm a guy that spent twenty five years doing backups. So clearly, I have issues. <laughs> bring on a couple of friends here. Uh, we've uh, one has been on the podcast before; the other one has not. First, I want to welcome back to the podcast the VP of Enterprise Strategy at Veeam, Mister Backup Dave himself, Dave Russell. How's it going, Dave?
3: Hey, great! Good to be here again with you both.
1: And uh, you're you're. They said we had to bring in somebody else to watch what you say. And so we've, we've also...
3: There has to be one adult in this conversation.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So we also have the Senior Director of Product Strategy at Veeam, uh, Mr. Rickatron himself, Rick Vanover. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Cheers, friends. Yeah, I don't know who that adult will be. Um, we're still looking for it.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's Dave's dog.
0: Yeah,
3: it's Eli. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, let me just throw out my usual disclaimer. Persona works for Zoom. I work for Druva. This is not a, a podcast of either company. The opinions that you hear are ours. And also, please rate this podcast at ratethispodcast.com slash restore. And also, I have uh, some news. So, my publisher, O'Reilly, has authorized me to give away a free ebook uh, in each episode. And to be eligible for what I'm going to do is I'm going to select. Uh, a listener to get, and and <laughs> Dave is holding up his copy of my book right there. I love it. To, to be eligible for the, to be selected, uh, all you need to do is either rate the podcast on com slash restore, or subscribe to my mailing list on Backup Central, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Just send me a screenshot of that, to wcurtispressin at gmail.com, and I'll pick a listener each week, and you'll get a free ebook of modern data protection. I just selected the winner for this week. His name is Tom Burrell. I'll be sending him his ebook right away. And then finally, if you're interested in this sort of thing, the weird stuff that we talk about backups, DR, archive, security. Barbecue, barbecue, uh, garage door openers—you know any any of the things that we talk about. Then just send me an email at wcurtispresson at gmail or uh, at wcpresson on Twitter, and we'll get you on here. So um, th- this podcast is a, a little bit different. We have to sort of start out by acknowledging a, you know a, a not so fun story that that came out in the last few weeks, and I'm sure you guys have. Been responding to this quite a bit and that was the news that uh, at least one of the ransomware variants out there is specifically targeting uh veeam customers right and so as i understand it and you guys can correct me if i'm wrong <clears throat> is that the idea is that they're you know they they somehow get control of the the veeam server via via a compromised account they exfiltrate this is an interesting technique is that they exfiltrate the backups and then delete them, and then do the, the notification. And I know Rick. I, I've seen you mentioned a few times on the articles where they, you know, the, if they give you a chance to say anything, basically you're like, well, that shouldn't happen if you configure things correctly. Um, and so I, I thought I would have you folks on to see if we could talk about this, and um, you know, and and to talk about that and i would also i'll go back 4 years rick i remember going to Vmon. i guess it would now be 4 years ago that was in in um,
0: new orleans
1: new orleans yeah where i where i first learned about the concept uh, of the department of parades right that they that they have, they have a like you can have your own parade anytime and you just pay a little fee and uh, so they have parades all the time over there. What what are they What are they called? Their specific term for that kind of parade, where there's basically like a handful of people, and the instruments, and all the rest. The type of parade I was trying to think of is called a second line parade. You can have your own second line parade by just filing a permit. It's a very, <laughs> very New Orleans thing. But I remember you mentioning this problem, right? The fact that. You know, the backup server tends to be Windows, and if your files are just sitting there accessible as files in the Windows operating system, that they could be compromised via some kind of ransomware. And I remember you acknowledging that and giving advice like four years ago, and I know that you guys have made a lot of changes and advancements and things towards this since then. So um, does that sound about a good precursor?
0: Sure. Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. I'll be honest with you, Curtis, in the world. It gave me a lot of heartburn. And actually, you know, usually we see a lot of news, media stuff. We we actually intervened. Uh, in fact, the one post that got a lot of attention, and it does note that it was updated, and then a, a small quote by me, if you look to some of the links of the recipes in the actual post, you know, if you think about it, it's basically coming from some individuals that can help you not have this problem. <laughs> okay. So this really gave me a
1: lot of heartburn. Not going to lie. What, what, what do you, what do you mean when you say that?
3: It's a little self serving, meaning that, you know, organizations that are in the business of providing services to help you unwind from a cyber threat. Okay. We're, were behind promoting the story.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So all of this, and, and by the way, that initial, article has also changed to this from advanced intel right um but that has been modified seven days ago which this was uh, i don't I, i'm not in the business That's even of...
1: more recent than the last yeah, time i looked at it
0: exactly so here's the here's the rub this is what i want the world to know about this if you have a threat actor sitting on a network given unlimited time they're going to do something bad i think we all can agree on that right my recipe is, and I've been saying this for years, and it's actually easier than ever to do with Veeam, and I would hope for all other backup products. But I believe that the recipe here is to have one or more copies of some form of ultra resilient media. Now, I made up a word there. What do you think? Ultra resilient. <laughs> That's a new I, one. I'm, I'm fine with That's, it. I, well, yeah, you know, when you
1: when you make up your own word, you get to you get to define what you mean by that. So there you go. There I did that on
0: purpose because there's so there's so many options. Well, the reality is I use this word ultra resilient because immutable is one of them. And there are right. so many options with Veeam to do this now. I've said that anything that's either offline, air gapped, or immutable, or even out of band from the data owner's perspective, that would be ultra resilient. It could be tape. It could be removable drives, some fancy storage snapshots. It could be the cloud. It could be a service provider. You have, There's no excuse not to have that today. Mm-hmm. And so I'm living in a world, Curtis, where I'm telling people, it's baseball season. It's playoffs. Who's your team? But I'm telling people, you should really be seeking what I call double play or even triple play immutability. Because I've had this discussion. I'm going to throw it back to you as a question, Curtis. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, well, I should have like, Two years of immutability. And I I say that's actually silly. Mm
1: -hmm. I'd rather
0: have two copies that are immutable for two weeks. You know, it's the more immutability or the more immutability. I'd rather have more copies that are immutable Mm -hmm. because I feel that if you have, let's just say, the Veeam hardened Linux repository with one copy on an immutable Linux file system. And then if you have something in a public cloud that has immutability, you have two totally different storage control planes with their own immutability engines. Each of them completely self-describing copies of data, completely ready for full recovery, fully assuming everything behind it is compromised. That's that's the story I'm telling. And and you got your triple
3: play, stuff, right? You, well, you yeah. got a physical tape as well, which, you know, Curtis, we were talking before we yeah. came on air. I mean, that may not be the recovery of first resort, but it is a very attractive recovery of last resort, given the economics, given the inherent security. Yeah.
2: No, I like your. Rick, what you said about the ultra resilient storage, I think that totally makes sense, especially because you don't know what you need to protect against, and this kind of covers you more than people would expect. I guess the two questions I have is one, why don't more people do it? <laughs> right? Uh,
4: <laughs> <yeah>.
2: <laughs> right? Because well, it seems like a right? <laughs> no brainer, right? <laughs> no, we talked about you, the three two one rule and everything no. else. Sorry, go ahead.
0: no, no, i I have been advocating that forever. So why do people not do it? Well, it's not done for them. That's why. Number one reason. Mm -hmm. Number two reason, um, I think still there's an audience in the world that doesn't prioritize backup.
1: it isn't so. So the
0: good news is the four of us are here. (laughs) The four of us are trying to change that. Now, I have data that indicates that at least we do a lot of surveys from our customer base. And I see like good increases of like, there's a simple question. Do you have something that's ultra resilient? And we just give a right. list. right? And I'm seeing the yes go up a lot more. Now, the other thing that why, why people aren't doing it is again, number one reason it's not done for them. So, you know, we've been working backwards in the Veeam supply chain. We're going to partners. We're telling them the story. How do people consume Veeam? Through partners. So we got to tell the partners to make sure this is in place. And mm. then the last thing we're doing is on the monitoring product. We're making sure that there's alarms that <laughs> smack
2: you in the face and tell you when you're not doing it. Yeah. Oh, it's that's like, interesting. This is the best practice. You should be following this. You're not.
1: Yes. Him, by the so way, so you actually have it? something in the product that says, yes. "Hey, you should really be doing
3: this." Or, right. or
0: worse, somebody's tampered with your immutability.
3: Yeah, somebody's changed something. In a weird way, I like that the story came out.
1: You're weird, Dave.
3: <laughs> it's like you, you know, it draws attention to to the issue. And, you know, we shouldn't put our heads in the sand, cyber threats aren't going to go away. We all know that bad actors are going to get increasingly more sophisticated because there's money to be made or, you know, unfortunately maybe someone's just disgruntled, but either way, this is our reality. And, you know, to 400,000 Beam customers out there, 100% of them aren't doing everything that we wish they would be doing. and. While we're kind of evangelizing, literally evangelizing, please three, two, one, or we even say three, two, one, one, zero. You know, we add a couple of digits on there. We try to talk up. Here's the best practice. And and even if you're not using Veeam, you know, best practice is still best practice, and you're still responsible for doing the proper thing. So I if there's a silver lining in this story, to me, it's don't be complacent. Don't fall victim to inertia.
1: Yeah. By the way, uh, Dave, I, I think I mentioned to you and DMs that we had uh, the guy who coined the term Peter Krug, uh, who was a, well, he still is a digital photographer, but he coined he he didn't invent the concept, but I think he simplified it to this this very easy to understand rule of three two one rule, and in a book, uh, actually it was an O'Reilly book uh, fifteen years ago. He is one of my heroes for for providing a rule that. It is really rare that that rule does not come up on this podcast. Would that be true, Persona? Oh, yeah. I
2: want to say probably, other than the barbecue episode and maybe some of the the, coronavirus episodes. I think, think other than that, it's come up at least once in every podcast. Yeah,
3: I've listened to them all, including the barbecue one, and I would say 90 to 95% would be low. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, and for good reason. Yeah, it's a, it's an important it's an important concept. So I'm uh, just curious if if I could go back in time, um, Rick, before you came out with the the hardened Linux repository and, and the ability to use the object lock feature in S3, what were you recommending? Because you were talking about this four years ago. What were you recommending people do then uh, to to help?
0: Well, the probably the Most versatile answer has been our service providers, Uh, Cloud Connect. Uh, So Veeam Cloud Connect, especially with Insider Protection, which I think is circa 2016. Mm -hmm. That is an out-of-band copy of tenant backup data that, and we actually called it Insider Protection for for good reason. It was meant for accidental deletion, malicious administrator, but it's inherently resilient against ransomware. So there's that. Now, I realize not everybody lives in service provider world. Fair shout. Right. Right. It's a copy of backups in the sky. Great (laughs) idea, but not everybody's doing it. I will say like you'd be surprised how many service providers are out there. And, you know, um, Dave may know offhand, but it's a legit percentage of our double digit percentage of our business from service providers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there is a VCSP army worldwide. So that's, you know, the five year depth answer. Before that, it would have been tape. Um, you know, in between that would have been rotating hard drives, offline media. Again, I mean, th- there's so there's more immutable options than ever with Veeam. So I could just go on and on. And then there's just simple implementation techniques of different uh, administrative boundaries and things like that.
2: So
3: yeah, there's digital hygiene, right? Different credentials, right of least privilege. You know, best practices that are irrespective of even backup or Veeam.
2: You talked about your monitoring software, kind of notifies you if you're not using like you said the ultra resiliency options and making sure yeah, you're you like following the best word. practices i do <laughs> like that word <laughs> but do you also notify the user if they aren't following some of this like other administrative best practices as well that
3: you mentioned dave that's a good question so short answer is yes um the longer answer is i think there's room for us to continue to expand that what we've done and not to take us too far askew but we've issued something a couple of years ago now, two and a half years ago, um, where we have remediated actions. And so it can not only detect something, but it's a reverse kind of virus signature, meaning we send out from our best practices in our Hadoop cluster that support uncovers issues and it proactively sends out a signature file that looks for these common issues and gives you suggestions on how to remediate that action. You can, if you wanted to, you could click automation in that to make that happen. Most people, of course, would say, "I want the right. Yeah, yeah. Let <laughs> me, my change control process is such that that's fine. If you think you've got a handle on a problem before I even experience it, but I want to manually okay it. So even r- outside of this area of cyber threats, you know, trying to ensure that the environment is is up to proper code and best practices we can make, it is inherent in the solution. Do I, I think we're hitting nirvana on that? No, I'll be honest. There's more for us to do. But we've continued to update those virus definition files, those signature files of remediated actions.
0: Uh, well, small correction. It's intelligent diagnostics. Oh, my bad. I, I See, I'm not good at marketing.
1: See, this is, this is yeah. the whole reason you're here, Rick. <laughs> yeah. No, well,
0: they, but they work together. So Dave's Maybe. told Dave's told the outcome story that there's remediation actions that build on the intelligent diagnostics, the reverse of a dial home. There's this, lack of a better word, fancy XML files uh, list of the common things that people can stub their toe on, like, hey, this storage array changed your firmware. Or, hey, this XYZ API in VMware no longer works. It never happens. But anyways, <laughs> this will scan and say, based on your environment, this may be something that can happen, or this error or alarm is based on that, mm. the end result are remediation actions that Dave highlighted. Yeah. So it's like the Veeam 1 product is where he's going with it. And you know, I'd highlight to anybody that a backup infrastructure is more critical than ever. So if you have anything that can add intelligence, add logic, add capabilities, handling, even notifications, it's time to do that. Yeah.
2: And especially as backup environments become very complex, as you have so many different applications and workloads and Trying to manage that amount of data is so difficult, right?
0: Doesn't have to be, but yeah.
1: Let me ask you this. How common is it for, and maybe you don't want to say, I don't know, but how common is it for Veeam customers to use data domain on the back end? It's pretty common, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah it
0: here it's not It's not every day that I hear it, but mm-hmm. among yeah. purpose-built backup appliances, it's pretty common. It's pretty high.
1: But I but guess I, the, re- the reason the reason what what I wanted to ask was, and and I think some of the other vendors have similar things. Another security thing, at least my understanding is that you can connect a data domain box via something other than NFS or SMB that you can use the darn it, what's the name? DD Boost. Uh, yeah, the DD Boost, and that that yeah. and that way the files don't show up on the Veeam server as files, right? Making it a little bit harder to. Encrypt them. Or um... I remember
0: a few years ago, I spoke with uh, our team in the Middle East who mm-hmm. was very, very paranoid about this. And I have two data domains here in, in the, the lab that we have available to us. And we actually did data domain replication strictly through DD Boost over fiber channel mm-hmm. to a clean room, lack of a better word, so that that target wasn't on any network, right? Mm-hmm. And the Veeam backups went over there transparently. So. You know, back to Prasada's question of why aren't people doing it? This is almost a consequence of being being software deployed. Maybe we do have data domain. Maybe I like industry standard servers. That's my choice right now for the first copy of backups. Maybe the cloud is, is a real priority, right? We're very flexible. So it gets real specific quick. But I like these like non-Ethernet replication techniques like data domain boost can do that. But we right. see it come up quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and then the other thing you were talking about, um, you know, we, we did talk about tape and tape is, you know, I, 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 you know, I wrote an article in network world last month and the, the idea was that tape can be a very useful thing as I think, you know, as you said, tape, it's the last resort. I would not want to have to use it like on a day-to-day basis for regular operational or God forbid disaster recovery. But the but the fact that it is truly offline, right? That I can hand it to a, I can put it in a box, and I can hand it to a man in a van, and I can get it out of the way. Um, as long as you remember to put it in a box. <laughs> as long as, yeah, put it in the box. So so Rick, so do are any of these methods? Do you do you have a favorite, or is it really just really up to the customer? Is there is there one that you think is is better than the other?
0: I get that question all the time, Curtis.
1: And I'm so glad to be predictable.
0: No, I mean, I think it's one thing on the tape before I forget, especially if you're using worm media that's removed Mm -hmm. from the library. That is actually a very interesting specimen because worm media removed from a library, a.k.a. in the van, is at Mm -hmm. one point in time offline, air-gapped, and immutable. That is actually really attractive. Okay.
1: Trifecta. Mm-hmm.
0: And low yeah. cost. And low cost and portable.
1: The resiliency right. trifecta,
2: right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. Rick, could you explain for our listeners what worm is, just because not everyone may know?
0: Write once, read many. So um, which is, you know, a lot of people are favoring the cloud, which will lead me to my recommendation. So I talk to customers all the time. They want to do better things with their backup. I get it. You probably do too as well, Curtis. And the reality is, if I had to give a recommendation without knowing anything, like a lot of times it's like, okay, what do you have? What do you like? What do you not like? But without any of that, quote unquote, discovery information, my recommendation are high density industry standard servers, hat tip to Cisco UCS and HPE Apollo, for example, where you can have nearly a petabyte of usable storage on one dense industry standard server mm-hmm. and I would put the uh, I'll throw ubuntu out there. I like ubuntu, and I would use the veeam hardened repository on that and you get you get a storage efficiency first of all, and you get the immutability capabilities. the storage efficiency Dave and I like to call it no dupe, it's block cloning and reflink type of storage efficiencies it's not deduplication, but it prevents duplication. So let's call it no dupe. It is a storage efficiency, a data reduction technique. Is it deduplication? No, but it does what I just said. So I put my first copy of backups there as a mutable. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And three, two, one rule. Right. I would then use in Veeam world, the scale out backup repository with copy mode. And I would have the backup restore points as they are put on that industry standard server, immediately copied to an object storage resource that does support immutability. Amazon's one, I think Wasabi, there's a bunch of service providers, like some people can't do Amazon, I get that. Um, Azure currently has object level immutability with versioning currently in preview, right? So I get that question a lot, what about Azure? I need that to go out of preview for that to happen. Mm-hmm. but that's my recommendation, Curtis that in the backups immediately as they go on that industry standard server that restore point is immediately pushed to the what we call the capacity tier the object storage with object lock and then immediately you have two copies that are immutable and from a policy standpoint it's that same restore point in both places at the same time well it's immediately subject to bandwidth, but it's quicker than you think that's right. my recommendation
1: and and so let me so let me uh, there, there was a lot to unpack there. <laughs> I got a picture, but it doesn't work on a podcast. <laughs> Everyone, look at their, you know, t- in their mind's eye, dream. No, I, 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 you know, it. If I had to guess, that's exactly what I thought you were going to say. But let me, let me ask you a few questions. So the, the no do part. Um, I, I, I thought, I, I guess. I, I thought you guys had some kind of dedupe built into the uh, yeah, software. But,
3: so let me take a stab at this. Is, is,
1: is, is this no longer uh, block when you use the? Okay.
3: Yeah. So there is multi level compression, there is software based deduplication. Rick can jump in here and smack me around. I will go on record saying it's not the most efficient deduplication in the industry. It is software based. We're very conscious not to try to overutilize resources, meaning CPU memory, but there is a level mm-hmm. of deduplication. There are many different configurable levels of of compression. Those are all good. And by mm-hmm. the way, data domain is good and store once is good and quantum and you know go down the list of the purpose-built appliances that are specifically geared for that are all have their place. That's garbage collection on the back end. Right. That's sending a lot of similar things and then trying to resolve it at some later point in time. The no-dupe concept is what if you, instead of being on the supply side of sending things and resending things, what if you could be conscious of what it is you're going to send and understand if you've already sent it and now be able to not, we just kind of refer to it as no-dupe, not have to garbage collect on on the back end. And so that becomes inherently storage efficient, but resource efficient, being that you don't have to consume CPU, you don't have to consume RAM. There's never a point at which you're g- going to hit a garbage collection threshold. Like we all know stories, oh, if the server gets to 95%, bad things are going to happen. Same right. with the storage array. You can avoid some of that.
1: I guess I, guess I, I, I don't understand what it's not duping. I guess is the thing where synthetic fools. That's the number one. Okay. It's basically a synthetic okay. So it's it's not it it isn't de dupe in the way I it's no dupe. It is no
3: dupe. It's pointer. It's this reference technology, right? It's pointer technology.
1: File based?
3: Block Block based. based.
1: Block based. So it's
3: pointers to all the blocks with an understanding of is is there something unique or is this repetitive? So, okay. before, check before send, maybe is a way to think about it.
0: Yeah, fair shot. And, okay. and the built in compression and dedupe, I, I didn't cover it because, be honest with you, I, I remember the first time, like probably 11, 10 years ago, I explained Beams' built in compression and dedupe to Howard Marks, and he had to take <laughs> his glasses off and give me a nasty look because <laughs> he said, like, That's huge. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. We're yeah. software. We don't own the disks. Yeah. But all end to end, built in compression and dedupe is mm-hmm. a good. We get more mileage out of compression, not going to lie. Okay?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And then if you also think about this no-dupe or mm-hmm. this this on-target type of storage efficiency. And then you also think about if you do the backup copy job, the WAN acceleration, there's a fancy, fancy cache on both ends. That's mm-hmm. a data reduction technique. And then to the capacity tier object storages, there's a very, very interesting shared metadata magic that makes it very I okay. Another word. Ready? Mm-hmm. Cloud economic intelligence. Right. It puts data in, but more importantly, takes it out very efficiently. So yes, there's no global dedupe in this recommendation, right. but it's and, pretty damn awesome.
1: When so, it sounds. It sounds like would, would it be because uh, I I think I'm just reusing different words to say what you already said, but it sounds like this this thing that you're calling no dupe is basically delta level. Incrementals with synthetic folds? is that?
3: Sound I think about it's in right? the ballpark there because you know if you think what is what is a synthetic? <clears throat> it's pointer based, right? Uh, now what's the granularity block in this case? Right. So okay. I think yeah. that holds yeah, so
1: up. it's probably yeah, maybe backwards. I don't know. Okay. I mean, if people, I, think, I think I've got an idea of what we're talking about.
0: File system nuts get it as ref linking. Yeah, exactly. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, when I think about linking, I think that's why I asked the question, the file question, but it's reflinking at a, at block, a block
2: level. level. Right. Yeah. Yep. 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 That's it, okay.
3: exactly.
1: So, okay. Rick, just uh,
2: about the copy stored in the capacity tier uh, in the cloud. I'm assuming you also push some copy of the metadata as well in case something happens to the primary copy that's sitting on those industry servers, correct?:
3: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I, I'm sorry, Rick. I, I jumped in. <laughs> this is a question I actually know, so I had to, had to make a little noise out of this. Yeah, so you know we all know about like the tombstone scenario, right? What happens if you're using hierarchical space management? The tombstone goes away, you have no pointer to find home. So Veeam does have a catalog. However, it's not dependent on the catalog. And so that, let me unpack that. The catalog is there for acceleration. If the catalog is no longer there, then all data is written in a self-describing manner, not even just in this context of object storage, but forever. And and that's actually a cyber resiliency capability in and of itself, because what do bad actors do? Go, go kill the catalog, right? Yep. And then... You know, then if they have time to do other things, great. But that—if you can only do one thing quickly and you want to be a bad actor, you do. That's that. a quick path for damage. Yeah. But because all of Veeam data is written in a self-describing manner, there's ways to unwind that. In this case, now in the context of pushing data to object storage, the metadata is put into what we call shells, but they're just chunks of data that have actual data payload and metadata, and we keep track of that. So, Ricks cloud economics or intelligent cloud economics notion was when it comes time for restoration, that's sometimes where you can pay the the tax right from the cloud providers. We can quickly understand, wait, do we have a portion of that shell already available on premises to us, or do we truly have to go fetch that? So it's kind of a two-way, no do pushing data there, meaning don't create duplications. So that's kind of check before send. Then. Opposite notion is check before request. Yeah. Do I already have it?
1: Oh, I like, yeah, That that's kind of, that's interesting. And, and especially,
3: go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, especially for a lot of people who may not realize how expensive it is to pull data back from the
3: cloud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, the bank, right? It's free to deposit <laughs> your money. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you want to hit the ATM machine every day? That's going to cost you.
0: One, one tip <clears> that I, w- I need to add here, Dave, and built on the recipe I just shared is if hopefully people like it and people are doing it. But honestly, um, anybody with at least Veeam backups sitting in the public cloud, um, two things. One, I recommend that the Veeam backups going into that capacity tier, the object storage, I recommend you encrypt that with Veeam encryption. I like to say encrypt those backups or someone else will. Okay. I like that. Yeah, yeah, you can use that. And then okay. secondly, don't lose that encryption password because they are self-describing. <laughs> That's really important. Very important. I'll be. I won't. I won't admit there are times when we're driving recovery with customers and they've lost everything on-premises, but they have a copy in the capacity tier or maybe some other resource where it's Veeam encrypted, but they haven't managed those passwords. Mm. That's actually number. Three reason I think when I do the polls of support of when we don't have positive outcomes. So I've actually pivoted that internal advice that we're giving to our customers and partners. But if you do put backup data in there, manage that password uh, how, well.
1: How do they? Ma- how would you recommend they manage those passwords?
0: Well, like I would recommend a password management tool for the enterprise, consistent with everything else. That's how I would recommend doing it. Gotcha. I'm a big and, fan and of and keep it out of Veeam, for that matter too. Right? Does it? I'm support- a big
1: fan of password management tools.
2: Does it integrate with other key management systems that the company may be using?
0: Um, we do have that in the public cloud with Amazon and Azure, but that's limited to those backups now. We okay. Get a lot of re- we get a lot of requests for that persona, and I. Um, I, you know, the never say never, but never say never, yeah. but whatever.
1: I remember a guy that said that Veeam would never do physical servers. Yeah, I remember you remember that guy? I love that guy.
0: <laughs> but anyways, um, we, we have a philosophical, active philosophical discussion, especially for on-premises data, of putting the ability to ensure recovery outside of both Veeam and the customer's hands, meaning an external dependency. There's, there's a, Customers ask for it, and then product management is giving us flack about. But then, what if that's the problem? We can't drive recovery. So there's,
4: there's want to be
0: a
1: little careful. Debate. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> the, let me ask you, So going back to the to the no dupe thing. If if I'm using the hardened Linux repository and I'm using the no dupe option, or is that or is it always using that option?
0: You can use both. I oh, recommend okay. both. Um, in but, fact, you can do the "quote unquote" no dupe over in Windows with reFS, but we don't have the immutable uh, capability. Uh, okay.
1: okay. So, so I, so I'm using the hard Linux repository with with this no dupe option, and then I'm using the cloud uh, option. If I'm essentially setting it up so as soon as backups go there, it goes to the cloud. If I've got, let's say, I don't know, ten terabytes of backups on that Linux box. Will I have 10 terabytes of backups in the cloud or will, no. will it be some other number?
0: It'll be less because the, um, going into the cloud, there's this shared metadata, these shells, mm-hmm. carapaces, whatever you want to call it. Every on-premises block translates to an in-cloud object or a page. And I either, we're putting in a way to change it soon if it hasn't already, but for, uh, up until this last release, I know it was defaulted to one megabit, one megabyte. And then if we're talking the archive storages, Glacier, Azure archive, et cetera, I believe it's uh, 500 much bigger due to the nature of the retrieval um, Mm -hmm. in the time associated with it. I can't remember the number I'm drawing blanks, but I want to say it was either 500 or 512, something much, much bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, But strictly to the object storages, it will be less because the whole, sober we call it sober tiering process looks across all of the shared metadata. So you could have multiple jobs. Like it I should probably do a test because you effectively get global dedupe in the capacity tier by doing this. So I need to verify that number. Oh, oh, it would be less.
1: Let me try to restate what I think I just heard. Yeah. That you get a little bit more that in the in the the Linux side the the delta or the no dupe is limited to the job whereas in the capacity tier you can find more no dupes across yes, jobs yes absolutely
0: fair okay. that's exactly right and okay. but I'll be honest with you Curtis people don't care about like storage consumption
3: not to the same extent
0: in this conversation that is the last last of my priorities i mean terabytes are not a problem and this is not, that is not the problem we're trying to solve.
1: It was more along the line of just trying to understand how it works.
0: It's, it's, but it's transparent. I'm a, that's I'm the a nerd. most important. Yeah,
1: that's true. And
3: when Rick says, you know, the acronym sober, that just is an acronym for scale out backup repository. It's just Thank a you way for to, uh,
1: that. to logically
3: unite different pools of storage. It could be direct access. It could be a data domain. Uh, it could be flash. It could be anything that you want. You can mix and match that. So, It's great even for, like, device migration. This, you know, production's coming off of lease, bring in the new one, drain it underneath the covers, take out the old one. But in in this context, it's just a sort of software-defined storage layer. Uh,
1: I'll ask one question that I'm absolutely sure you're not going to be able to answer, but...
3: There's a lot of those.
1: (laughs) Do you you think we will ever see a Linux Veeam server?
3: Yes, (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right, let Rick answer.
0: God, I, I'm gonna build it up, Dave. Build it up. So let me let me just let me give a an anecdotal thing. The three newest Veeam products, Veeam backup for AWS, Azure, and Google, have okay. all been written in Linux. And customers keep asking for it. We've added the Linux repository, we've added the Linux proxies. We have some upcoming database.
3: You've been, enhancements.
1: You've been getting more Linuxy so, over right. the years, is what you're saying.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the market And we just announced a Salesforce product and, and just, that when that gets delivered it will run on Linux.
0: That's going to be built in Linux. Yeah. And and if if you think about what the, you know the way Veeam was born, um I'm sure Curtis you know the story mm-hmm. before Veeam, right? The whole the brain trust and the co-founders and some of the early devs, I mean it was all that active directory mm-hmm. tool management stuff. So it was Windows through and through. So we were, we were born with the, you know, that window (laughs) tattoo on our foot. Right. And you know, the, Mm -hmm. it's changing. So, but yeah, I think Dave's answer is better. But if you look at our evidence in the newest products. Oh, I like how you say, I mean, I was
3: quick to player. try to provide the outcome, but <laughs> you provide the lineage because, okay, so someone from a company says, yes, they'll support that. When does, you know, how, why do I believe that? You know, well, because we've already been taking major steps in that direction. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
2: okay. Well, I, I think you that kind was, of that's walked sort of, of your recommendations for how to avoid or to be more cyber resilient, if you will. Um, are there any other recommendations you would have? We talked about sort of storing where you store your data, making sure you follow the best practices, keep an eye on your alerts.
3: Yeah, a short answer is yes. And not to be you know too much of a commercial for, for me or Rick, but Rick and one of the really sharp guys on his team, Edwin Vitama, he was an SE Who now joined product strategy a year-ish ago they wrote Rick. i mean correct me it was like 65 page deep dive not just veeam when veeam's in there but you know digital hygiene that i referred to you know separation of roles and responsibilities like you could pick up this deep dive book and even if you weren't a veeam customer if you follow many of those things you'd be in very good shape that's kind of going down the rabbit hole my colleagues, uh, Jeff Reichert and Chris Hoff and myself wrote a shorter version where we said, look, if you could only do seven things, here are the seven things that we rec- recommend. And you know, so you say, well, wh- why have a short one and a long one? Well, the long one is like, "Look, you know, if you want to understand, like Curtis goes to junkyards and updates cars and stuff, if you want to understand how to take pieces and parts off your car and do that, you need more information. However, I come from the, you know, the, the ex-analyst side where unfortunately everybody is not going to do everything that they should. That's okay. Yeah. But you can do something. And so the short version is just to, okay, if you can only read a few pages and you can only do a couple it's things, like please notes. do these couple things. It's the clip notes. It's just, just get better, you know, just do something to improve your cyber resiliency and don't stop. Keep trying to get better.
0: Let me simplify it. The 3-2-1 rule with at least one of those copies, immutable, go for double play. Number two, consider removing internet access or at least shaping just what you need for the cloud, mm-hmm. for the backup infrastructure. And number three, explicit minimal permissions across yep. the board. That is a very simple recipe to bolster at least not just the ransomware footprint, but couple that with the recommendations. And then on the other side, keep things up to date. Get remote access right in fish awareness training. Those are 95, 97% my, of the My general recommendation of is
1: to turn RDP off. Uh, and and it, you can do that. You can do it like centrally. You can turn it off everywhere and then you can turn it on when you need it. And because RDP is such a an attack vector from these uh, these ransomware variants, but uh, I liked all your recommendations, Rick. So,
0: did you see the the Coveware reports that you know track? Is it fish? Is it no? have RDP or remote access. Is it updates around? Would they they uh-huh. report quarterly? And at the at their report point, at the start of H 2020, mm-hmm. so one month into pandemic, there was very noticeable increase in remote mm-hmm. access exploits. So if you think about what's happened in the last year and a half, did people need more remote access yep. done right, or did they need it right. done it was right struggling.
1: now? Yeah. Never, never time <laughs> to do it right, always time to do it over, right? Uh, yeah. I was just going right. to ask one well, more thanks, thing for, guys. for Rick. I, From your list, oh,
2: Rick. Go ahead. All right, go ahead. Uh, one thing that I felt was missing, though, was testing your restores.
3: <laughs> OK. So that was number seven <laughs> on my little paper. <laughs> And it was basically recovery automation. You're you're right, persona, And this has nothing to do with cyber or, you know, it's not limited to cyber. It has something to do with cyber. But it's just, I mean, Curtis, you know, testing is a dying art, right? It has been for some time, even in the mainframe space. And so we do have a product called Veeam Disaster Recovery Orchestrator. Um, Truth be told, it's an automation engine. You could use it for other things other than disaster recovery. But one of the things that it does is it will automatically test your recoverability. And so you give it an RPO and an RTO, and it will automatically verify if you can meet that because one of the biggest concerns is typically configuration drift. I designed this perfect system today, and now, you know, day 300, something changed. And then upfront, even from that, and you've mentioned it at least, I think, three times, Curtis, Veeam came out with a automated verification system called sure backup so that you can understand at the point you took the backup is this good or not while your production data is still there and if there's a problem a concept. go get it go get a good version back so there's a front end supply on that and there's a back end of the supply chain on that as well that three Two one one zero. The zero is have zero backup bears. Mm. Go try, yeah. Or or no surprises. That's right. No surprises on yeah, recovery.
1: Absolutely, I love that. All right. Well, I think I think we have managed to beat this uh, topic to death. So you we're know, we're on the barbecue now. It's so funny it, it, at the beginning of so many episodes, and this was one of them where I said, <laughs> "I don't know if we can talk for forty-five minutes on this topic," and here we are. 50 minutes into it and we're still yammering <laughs> on. So anyway, well, thanks so much for both of you coming on.
3: Yeah, I know. Thank you for the opportunity. Really appreciate it.
1: And uh, Prasanna, just- thanks uh, I try, once again I for I try, asking Curtis. That's all I can do. <laughs> all right. And thanks to the listeners. And remember to subscribe so that you can restore it all.
4: But I deleted it Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit Finally I needed your backup You had a chance to fix it Instead it's all jacked up See how I'll write on Facebook about you Don't underestimate the things that I will do There was a file, but I deleted it Too bad your backup system isn't worth the space it'll be completely done maybe one day it'll-